0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast. Buckets, boards, and blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.
1: Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three-in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three-and-D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer.
0: Monica, King, let's do this.
1: Thanks, Darlene. This week's show is going to be a little bit different. We have a tremendous conversation with Stephanie Ruddy of Turner Sports, who's been on the sidelines during the playoffs inside the bubble. Uh, She's got incredible insight and personal stories about all that's going on. But we're going to begin with something that is much bigger than basketball. On Wednesday, NBA players from six teams We've been saying in the media and across Twitter boycotted games, but actually it is a strike. They refused to um, perform labor. And so technically it's a strike and not a boycott. We as consumers would boycott. Anyway, the reason was another killing of a black man by law enforcement, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and now Jacob Blake, the most recent who was shot uh, seven times in his back at close range in front of his children by police officers in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, those come on the heels of Ahmad Arbery, who was just being black and jogging in Georgia. The players led by the Milwaukee Bucks have basically said, we've had enough. Something has to change. Um, this is breaking. This story is breaking. Um, it is historic. Um, everything kind of unfolded at a pretty rapid pace. And quite honestly, it seemed like the Bucks made a game time decision that sent ripple effects throughout the entire sports world and not just the NBA. Um, it was a lot to digest on Wednesday night, King. I mean, where do you even start?
2: First and foremost, um, I love it. I love what the NBA is doing. Um, I think they're doing the right thing. I, I think the players are spot on because at the end of the day, I think what is most important is that people forget that it's bigger than basketball and people forget that just like the man was unarmed that he wasn't doing anything, that could have much likely been george hill that could have been paul george that could have been Kawhi Leonard. that could have been me like, at the end of the day like people forget that like it's bigger than basketball it's about human rights then we say black lives matter we're not talking about you know black lives are superior we're just trying to get black lives to matter in a sense mm-hmm. and i feel like that's human decency So. I, I think that the NBA players are spot on, and they honestly made me proud. Like, I, I got emotional yesterday because I feel like they're taking a stand and doing what we should do. We shouldn't be playing. They, 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 they don't appreciate us. They, they, they're not ready for us to, you know, not ready for this pretty much in a sense. They're taking the world by storm, and I don't know, I'm 100% in agreeance with what they're doing.
1: I agree with you. And yesterday, I was glued to the television and Twitter the same way that I was during the height of the George Floyd protests, or the same way, the same way that I remember, and this is weird, but September 11th. You know what I mean? Like That was such a historic yeah. moment. I find myself, or found myself looking to see what was happening. And granted, there was a lot of different conflicting reports But to see players tweet, we stand with the Bucks. I respect it, we got to do our part, I think that was such a moment. Um, Yesterday I went to the dentist, though, quick story. And my dentist was saying, because she's a Black dentist, and she said in her dental group, someone said, yes, all teeth matter, but we're taught in dental school to address the ones with the problems first. And she said, that's the same thing that's happening when we say Black lives matter. No one is saying that all lives don't matter but we're saying acknowledge the problems that are systemic and that consistently threaten the lives of black people. So when you say black lives matter, you are acknowledging all lives matter, but you gotta acknowledge that there's a problem here in the black community and it's not by our own doing. Um, We mentioned the ripple effects last night. The NBA did not play. The WNBA players did not play. In fact, the Washington Mystics came to the game in t-shirts that spelled out Jacob Blake with seven bullet holes on the back of each shirt which I thought was extremely moving and powerful. Um, MLS games were canceled last night. Naomi Osaka decided not to participate in her match that would have been scheduled for Thursday. From what I understand, at 9.19 on Thursday when we're recording, is that USTA got behind her and is canceling matches. Um, None of those leagues take a timeout. Oh, excuse me, the Milwaukee Brewers, forgot, MLB. The Milwaukee Brewers. MLB too, yeah. Did not play as well. Um, and I think one, another one of the moving soundbikes, Dominique Smith of the New York Mets, is sitting at the podium crying. And I, it's just this overwhelming feeling of exhaustion. Uh, so the players obviously are not separating their Blackness from what is happening around the world. But I think something that's very interesting and important that we note, and Stephanie kind of talks about this in our conversation, and Mark Spears talked about it yesterday a lot in his reporting, the guys are away from their families and we know paul george made a statement in terms of the toll that the bubble is taken mentally earlier this week but i don't know about you but every time i see one of those videos first of all i try to make a habit of not watching them but when i do see it it makes me want to hold my loved ones you know what i mean and in the bubble it's not an option for those guys so again, sure. i have said from the jump that this pandemic presents a very unique moment and i could not understand for the life of me why so many people we're so adamant and irate at Kyrie's suggestion.
2: I mean, I agree 100% because I think we even talked about this. I don't know if it was on the show. It might have been off the show. But I, I, we, we talked about I don't, we don't think the players should return. And not just because of the whole coronavirus um, pandemic going on, but it's more so because the reason why George Floyd really blew up was because there was no sports going on you had nothing else to pay attention to. So it forced you to pay attention to George Floyd. But now that you know Jacob Blake got killed and had Luca now that he's
1: he's paralyzed.
2: Continue. I mean paralyzed, paralyzed, paralyzed. My bad. Shot seven times paralyzed. But had Jacob Blake that happened and Luca went and scored forty-two points and beat the Clippers, this wouldn't be an issue had the, the playoffs continued we wouldn't be worried about Jacob Blake. And I think that right there is the biggest thing. You know, I I don't think the players should have returned, but here's what I will say. Because of how it went down, because of how everything panned out, I think this is a bigger statement. Shutting down middle of the season to realize, to see how people see what's really going on as opposed to just not playing. At first I thought not playing was a bigger statement, However, because of the way things folded out, I think that this, by far, is a way bigger statement letting people see that it's bigger than basketball. Like, basketball is cool and all. That's what we do. But at the end of the day, we're Black men first. And we care about Black lives. And Black lives need to matter. And this needs to exist. Because it's crazy, Monica. We're, like I said earlier, we're not talking about Black lives you know, being superior. We're just talking about Black lives mattering. Begging for like 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 begging, yes, begging for our lives to matter, mm-hmm. not be superior to anybody, just to matter, just to be like okay, we care about black people, okay, we value black people. That's that's what we're asking for. We're not asking for anything outrageous or anything crazy.
1: Just say that people with badges take away their badges if they kill someone unlawfully. Yeah cold blood, they should be held accountable. Let, let's just start there. Like that doesn't even have to necessarily be a black thing. Let's just acknowledge that we have an issue in our law enforcement where they're allowed to kill people. It just happens to be black people sometimes and not, and not be held accountable. Uh, Bruce, I know you're here. I want to bring you in on this one because you obviously have lived a lot more life than us. And I think it's important that in these times we all have these types of conversations together. Um, my question last night has been, I, w- I won't say it is what's the next step, because I don't think that's fair. I think sometimes you need to take an action and let the chips fall where they may. And I agree with you 100%, King. Even though some of the reports say that teams are blindsided, here we are. And everybody will be talking about this. ESPN, Sports Network, MSNBC, General News, NBC, ABC, and beyond. But I did see a tweet where I think is important that the players would like to see the owners step up to the plate in a real way, Bruce. And the governors, owners, whichever word you wanna use are obviously people that have deep pockets. And from where I'm sitting, I would think, have the ability to influence the politics in the cities where these teams are. What do you see, Bruce? Because there's no real historical context here. But just in terms of your understanding the workings of the NBA, CBA, owners, is there something that comes to mind that could be a tangible byproduct of this soon in a way that would allow the season to be resumed and make the players feel like they have moved the needle forward in a meaningful way.
3: This is so far beyond our normal sort of 94 by 50 square that we're used to operating in. And while I agree with you that um, nobody should be saying that their life's lives matter more than anybody else's, it's clear that there are issues here and i don't really know any police and law enforcement people so i don't really know what the mindset was but when you look at the video of what's happening you say to yourself oh my god you know if you can't see how awful and wrong that is then you don't have a soul and you don't have a heart and you probably don't even have a brain mm-hmm. what can the owners do i think one of the things that we've discussed over the past months you know since george floyd was you know People like myself who haven't dealt with some of the problems, the systemic stuff that you've done, we have to ask you know, our minority friends, what can we do to help? I think Kyle Korver is one guy who's gotten it from the get-go. He wrote that story in the Players' Tribune last year to basically say, when I would go to a restaurant, they, if I was with my African-American teammates, whatever, the waiters would always ask me, what do I want to eat first? I think in our own lives, if we run into situations like that, we got to say, why are you asking me first? You know, there's other people here too. So folks like myself basically just have to go a little bit further and say, look, we have to demand respect for you. And as far as what the owners can do, I'm not really sure. But one of the things that I've always admired about the NBA is that they do have this attitude and you saw several owners come out totally in support of the players which is absolutely appropriate and correct in every way. I think they basically have to say to the players, how can we help? What can we do? Tell us what we need to do. We've had this conversation among ourselves before, but this is such a big problem. And I don't even know, you know, other than on a very local level amongst ourselves, I think that's where we have to begin. I mean, it starts kind of at that grassroots level. So, I know I probably didn't give you a great answer there, but that's how I try to live my life.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I think, no, I think that was an important perspective. Um, and it, I, think a gra- I think in that answer, though, Bruce, grassroots to you and I looks a little different than grassroots to an owner, right? If LeBron James goes and has a conversation with the buses or the Milwaukee Bucks are sitting down with Mark Lazary, hey, we need X, Y, Z to happen their grassroots looks a little bit different, but I think the sincere commitment to the cause beyond the games is what the players might be looking for. That, that would be my guess, King. I don't know what you think.
2: Nah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think that basically I think you hit it earlier. I mean, like Mark Cuban, for instance, he has so much influence so much power that you and Bruce are spot on at this point. The owner should ask, Hey, what what do we need to do? Like, how can we help? And I think that not just the owners, I think everybody, every, every person who is not going through this, let's call it how this, every white person needs to be able to ask that minority friends, ask the African-Americans, who are fighting this fight? How can I help? What can I do in order to further this, in order to better make this better? Because at this point, if you watch the video and you see nothing wrong with it, then you're the problem, 100%. And there's nothing else, there's no other argument made. You've seen George Floyd get killed, you've seen Jacob Blake get shot seven times. At this point, if you did, you, like, like Bruce said, do you even have a brain if you do not see what's going on in this country. So I feel like everybody needs to ask and be educated on what, what's going on, how can they help?
3: Can I say something here real quick? When I saw Doc Rivers the other night I had this he said we, referring to African Americans we love this country and what a shame it is that they don't love us back I kind of wanted to cry when I heard that because it made me so sad that so many people feel that way because I can only speak for myself but I mean I love everybody who's a good person. It doesn't make a difference and it never really has. I mean, the town I grew up in was very diverse. It still is. The place I live now is very diverse. To me, this is like so alien, this kind of irrational hatred is so alien. And the fact that Doc was actually in tears, I was welling up myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think, and it, doc Doc nailed it doc nailed it i mean literally and one of the statements that have rings in my head so eerily as we've moved through march 2020 until this point uh one of i can't remember her name but she's a social media influencer and she was in minneapolis and she goes on this rant about target being burned down and how um literally target being burned down in the midst of the protest of george floyd is a byproduct of not just george floyd but of 400 years and she sort of ends this rant as she explains very well what the experience of being black is in this country using monopoly as an example um at the end of it she says america really should be lucky that we just want equality and not revenge and that just rips my heart out it it rips my heart out because king you, you and i live this day to day right like as qualified as we are and honestly as proud as i am to be an athlete even that like so does that mean you think i can't think right like there's so many microaggressions blatant aggressions disparities um i just i'm incredibly proud of these players if the season is over i'm good with that I'm not one to count anybody else's pockets and I understand the pressures of the CBA. If the season is not over, I also understand that as well. Um, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but my thing to folks is you just need to get behind the pledge of support and be critical of what you are doing in your world.
2: For sure. I think that one of the most powerful things that I saw that I've seen this week is uh, Kenny Smith. Mm-hmm. Kenny Smith is walking off set saying he's saying he stays in solidarity with the players. And I mean, we're, we're in the industry, you know, imagine, you know, how hard it is to just walk off set if you do in the middle of a show, but that's how much it meant to him. Like, Hey, I don't care about this. And Chris, Chris Webber too. The statements that he said, people hate on that man all the time, but the statements that he made last night were spot on. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was, you know, what they did was, because we're in the industry, so we know how it is to be on, on set and, and what it would mean to just leave like that. You know how hard it is. Yeah. So I think I, I got the utmost respect for those two dudes because it was a, a huge stamp. You just was walk off.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, on that note, because we are in the industry, I want to give a shout-out to my boy, Chris Miles, who had to anchor the duration of what should have been the bucks or what was scheduled rather i shouldn't say should what was scheduled to be the bucks magic game uh t nba tv chris anchored they went to sam mitchell who had wonderful commentary as well shout out to his daughter morgan who's been on the podcast with us uh they went to chris weber brian anderson stephanie Ruddy on the ground hustling rebecca harlow jim jackson and i'm forgetting jim jackson's partner i apologize to that play-by-play person Um I applaud the media yesterday because news was breaking and people needed to react. And sometimes as we get in positions where we have to pontificate, we can miss a little bit. The Mm -hmm. only comment that I heard that was a miss yesterday, and this is not to be critical because you're right, we're in the industry and I understand the pressure. Um, Jay Williams said that he felt like if games were played on Thursday that the black community would turn on the NBA. I disagree with that strongly, and I think it's not fair of us to paint all of us with the same brush. While we can relate because of the stories. Or the experiences that innately come with being Black in America, we all don't necessarily agree. And just like in the 1960s, there was the Malcolm X Black Panther folks, and then there was the Martin Luther King folks. We all want the same thing, but how we get there may not necessarily be one method. And so I don't see the Black community turning if games are played on Thursday or if games return to action next week. Um, I think those NBA players have families and responsibilities and it is not our place to say how they should or should not protest. It is our place to support and to make sure that we're handling our business in our immediate communities. And to me, the most important thing out of this is that they are setting the example. Zora Stevenson, a good friend, we've had her on this pod as well, went a little bit viral yesterday for her statement saying just that after the Bucks said, what are we doing in our own lives? The Bucks set a tremendous example, but what are you doing?
2: No, 110%. I think... One of the controversial statements that I saw was J.R. Smith. Did you see see what he said? J.R. Smith said, um, basically, they they, did, so they don't want to hear us. Now they can't see us. Mm. And I think that's a little controversial because you kind of sort of make it more about Basketball making more about the players than what you're really fighting for. You're kind of like not really shedding light on what you're fighting for. You're making it more so about yourself, like, oh, now you can't see me because you don't want to hear me. It has nothing to do with yourself. I mean, it kind of does, but not really. It's about what we're fighting for: fighting for equality, fighting for social justice. So I think that statement was a little controversial. I mean, what's your opinion on that?
1: Um, I'm with that though. I think it's kind of like the moniker that I saw developing late last night, and Jerry Bembry has a great article in the washington post essentially no justice no games and i go back to what sean doolittle of the washington national said in response to COVID. but i also think that it applies here sports are a reward of a functioning society we have whiffed as a society in terms of our functionality in two major ways in this moment in time COVID is not taken care of it is not handled it is the reason those players are isolated in the first place second the issues that have been forced to the forefront in terms of racial reckoning in this country are still rampant and have not yet been addressed what i will say is i think we have to give grace because players not playing on wednesday does not mean that new legislation is going to be in place on monday right so what again what is that tangible change what does the progress look like but again if jr and company feel like you because he's right king he's right The country has turned back to sports. Oh, we got sports back. Oh, we're unified as a a nation. Oh, this is great for our morale. Meanwhile, Black people still being slain in the streets and no one is being held accountable. It just so happens the NBA, or excuse me, the WNBA for fact is at least 80% Black. The NBA, I'm willing to go and say at least 70% Black. So in this moment, Blackness is cool. Blackness is to be celebrated. I support this version of Black people. There is no version of Black people Those men are black when they step off. Those women are black when they step off and take off their uniforms. Sterling Brown, John Henson, both had run-ins with the Milwaukee police. Yesterday, I did a little bit of reading up on that Sterling Brown case. The Milwaukee police department wanted to pay him $400,000 to go away and be quiet. They wanted to cover up the mistreatment. His face was beaten. They stood on his ankle. He He missed games following that encounter. They patronized him because he parked in a handicap spot and drove a nice car. They patronized him, they teased him, they mocked him, they injured him. The, their uniforms, the amount of money that these NBA players make does not exclude them from the horrific things that happen to Black people in this country. Why are they happening now? Because they have been in place for years.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I, look, I, I agree with the statement. I think you should, maybe you should have phrased it better, but I I, I agree with the statement. Um, I think what you said was spot on No, No justice. No games. Perfect. Like uh, I think I think that right there. But I think I was only reason why I mentioned it was because I feel like people can take that and run with it the wrong way. Well here's
1: here's what I would say to that though. People to Bruce's point, people with no heart, no brain, no eyes, no conscience, are gonna take whatever they want to run with. Right? Yesterday, Mm -hmm. Will Kane, someone who formerly worked for ESPN now goes to Fox, he he's tweeting about how sports are imploding by taking this stance by the player striking. He's already got his mind made up, right? So people that don't have a heart to hear, they're, they're gonna take anything and run with it. they are gonna continue to see millionaires that are spoiled and in this tempered place where they can be assured that there's no COVID whining about things that don't affect them. They don't want to hear For us, being people who we would consider allies and in line with the NBA players, I can't worry about people that don't want to hear. I gotta worry about my kids. I got to worry about my nieces, my godchild, you know? Because I'm going to make this statement and hopefully your hearts are softening because of video in 2020. But for us to be concerned with people that are going to take it and run the other way, we would never move because America has literally taken it, ignored it, run the other way, run away from this issue for years.
2: I mean, you spot on. We, we We definitely have to. Do what we need to say, say what we need to say. It, 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 it's, it's that time now. We're, we're done playing, we're done you know, with, with everything, trying to watch what we say, trying to be politically correct. Um, no, it is what it is now. It's on video. And, and, and it, here, 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 here's what blows my mind. We only see what, what happens on video.
1: That part. That's
2: scary. And, and, and that's the part that I think, needs to register with people. The only reason why we are aware of this is because what we see on video. So think of how many cases that this has happened in where we don't have a video that's not being recorded. Think way
1: That is that is a scary and humbling thought. Oh man. That's um all right, I wanna wrap this up. You and I, Bruce, obviously we all could go on for quite some time on this stuff. Um, you know our show is called Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We always give our listeners that Buckets, Boards, Blocks thing. Uh, I want to call a board. No, I want to. I want to make it a block on everything. Or excuse me, a bucket on everything that's going on. I know that you and I both, and Bruce, incredibly impressed with and proud of the players. Um. I guess the board, I guess, in my mind, something that's ugly but may have some silver lining is yet another Black person slain at the hand of law enforcement and it takes a video to bring people to attention. Um, but if, to your point, the NBA starting and taking this pause brings more eyeballs, brings more attention, brings more hearts that have compassion and ears that are willing to hear and acknowledge that we have an issue, um, that, to me, is a good thing. And only time will tell. Uh, but um some has got to give. And, and it's, it's high time for our leaders in our country, for people in this country, like Bruce said, everyday people, to acknowledge the history and the privilege. And I know Bruce wants to add something.
3: I just wanted to say that, you know, over the past 70 plus years, uh, athletes in many ways have been better leaders when it comes to social change than our quote-unquote politicians. I mean, athletes aren't pandering for votes. Athletes, for the most part, they get the whole cooperation between, you know, who were who we talking to on one of the shows? Oh, Chris Mullen, a number of months ago, we were talking about how they used to call him like, you know, the great white hope, whatever. He rejected it completely, he said, you know what, in sports, all that matters is, can you play, are you a good teammate? I mean, the athletes from Jackie Robinson through Muhammad Ali and right up even to today, you know, Colin Kaepernick, it was like the fourth anniversary of him taking a knee. Maybe it was yesterday or the day before, I forget. If society, and Nancy Lieberman said the same thing to you, Monica, when we did the show a number of months ago, if society could learn so much from sports when it comes to right and wrong, good and bad. And I just, I'm very proud to be a part of our little community here and just the basketball community because the basketball community is truly showing leadership and and everybody can learn from this. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Final thoughts, King?
2: If I had to give a block, something I just don't want anymore is the people out there that are saying that um, that's not respecting the players' decisions to take this stand and go on the strike. I mean, first off, everybody has their own right to do what they want to do. And the NBA players are ready to seek justice and then want to go about it this way, respect it. It's like they expect us to respect them, respect our decisions. Respect us as humans, respect us as people first and foremost. So that's my block. No more disrespect for people's opinions, people's thoughts, or people's uh decisions on how they want to go about seeking social change
1: love it yeah i love it i mean just basic humanity basic decency it seems so simple um all right guys uh this week is kind of heavy for a a bunch of different reasons keep your folks prayed up check on your loved ones uh educate yourself make sure you're registered to vote complete the census all those things uh in our immediate circle that we can have influence over the next part of the pod was recorded on tuesday Before everything got crazy, but I believe it's still very much relevant. Stephanie Reddy, as we mentioned in this conversation, is in the bubble. She's reporting for TNT and Turner Sports. Um, She has great insight. She had a post-game interview with Chris Paul. He completely blew off the basketball question and immediately went to this stuff. She is a Black woman. She's a wife to a man. She is a mother to a son, a mother to a daughter. How is her perspective influencing her doing her job? at this historical time in sports and in American history. Um, so I hope that you'll listen. I hope that you will smile a little bit and, and appreciate what the work that the broadcasters are doing, not just on the game this year, but on all that is happening and all that matters to the players. That's up next. Today on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have a very special guest. She is Stephanie Reddy of Turner Sports, and honestly, y'all, we could easily do an hour just on her story, how she got where she is, the unique things that she's done. I'm going to just hit you with the quick highlight reel, though. Steph has been a pioneer in so many areas, the first female coach of a men's professional team in 2001, and the first female game analyst for an NBA team with the Hornets. Now she's on the biggest stage nationally working the sidelines for TNT. I know you've seen her on the playoffs and since the bubble has restarted. Um, Stephanie, I just, I just love your journey and we've got a couple different places I wanna go with this conversation today. Um, but in general, when you look at being in the bubble in 2020 and all that it has been, what has gone through your mind?
0: Well, first of all, thank you very much for that glowing introduction. I I greatly appreciate that. Um, and it is a pleasure for me to be here with you, Monica. Um, you know, the bubble's been interesting. It, it's very unique. Um, but the words that I have used the most to describe this experience has been impressive. Um, it is incredible <laughs> the way the NBA and the NBPA have put this together. I mean, if you think about how quickly, first of all, they did it from the the time they conceived the idea to the time they implemented the idea and how much they put into it. You know, like I'm going to practices that are in ballrooms, you know, they've converted these into full length basketball courts with rims and everything. I mean, it's unbelievable. Weight rooms, training centers, everything is there that the players need. And, you know, it's, you think about things like, okay, the game's going to have to happen. The practices are going to have to happen people need a place to sleep, (laughs) people need food to eat, right? Those are the basic things that this must have. But they've thought of everything. I mean, there are masks everywhere you turn. There are disinfecting wipes and hand sanitizer literally on every flat surface. So you can't walk through a hallway without bumping into a basket of supplies. Um, There's no reason why anyone can be... um, Neglecting their personal hygiene in the bubble. I'll just say that. Um, (laughs) They thought of every single detail. It's been really incredible. And, you know, for me, I grew up a basketball fan, you know, probably like you, Monica, from it's like the first thing you remember really being passionate about as a kid. And this is, it's a historic moment. Um, It's a quintessential moment in history because when you think about the time we're in right now, not just politically, and um social activists social activism times um but athletics and society it's like this it's this strange period in our lifetimes where everything is converging in this one moment and i am thrilled to be a part of it it's, it's been amazing I, i'm honored to be here
1: you are doing a terrific job on the sideline but i think thank you to your point um it is a very unique moment, and I think it has highlighted the role of the sideline reporter in a way that we have not yet seen. I know on the women's side, opening weekend, as much as Holly Rowe is respected and was trying to get in questions relevant to basketball, the players had already decided that they weren't discussing anything other than Brianna Taylor. And on Monday, when the Thunder tied up the series 2-2 post-game, you had a great question. I mean, it was a heroic effort from CP3, and he pivoted immediately to Jacob Blake. So as far as you and your preparation stuff, we know you know the game of basketball. You've been an analyst. You've been a coach. But are there, how do you do your job now, considering the magnitude of the moment, and that is not lost on the players at all?
0: That's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's, it is the same – principle in terms of preparation it's just you have to cast a wider net so um you know obviously you're preparing for the game itself what's going to happen between the lines so you need to look at matchups you need to look at trends you need to look at personalities right but then when you start looking at each individual player coach or team then you also have to factor in what are they doing besides basketball because it's been a huge part of why they're here they said it from even before they entered the bubble. They did not want to lose the momentum for their fight for social justice. It was very clear in their, um, their plan to come here. It was very strategic, just like you mentioned on the WNBA side. Um, and, and I have to give the WNBA whew, plenty of props and kudos because they have always led the way with this. I mean, from years ago, I mean, we have all been in awe of what they've been doing on the WNBA side. And I'm just so happy to see that the two are kind of partnering and and the NBA is following their lead in this instance. Um, But yes, you have to prepare for everything. And so, you know, when Chris Paul answered the question last night, which he really didn't answer the question that I asked per se, but when he made the statement, um, I was okay with that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because it did not make me feel uncomfortable or awkward in any way. Because I knew coming into the bubble that this was their plan, the players, and in fact, coaches are on board too. I shouldn't just say just the players. Um, so I, I didn't prepare necessarily for him to make that statement or any sort of um, statement not related to basketball. But I knew in the back of my mind that that was always going to be a possibility. Um, and, and that's and that is really you know the media's job. We're a vehicle for information, right? So. I've always tried throughout my, my media career to tell the story and to not really input too much of my own opinion or biases when I can, when I can help it. Um, and that was the story, right? The story was, yes, OKC tied the series. It's 2-2. That's amazing. We're, we're seeing some terrific basketball. But the story is also that these players are very adamant about making sure their voices are being used to initiate change. So I was good with that. And and, I mean, it just so happened that I had specifically talked to Billy Donovan, his head coach for the Thunder about Chris Paul and his leadership, because I knew that not only was he a leader on that Thunder team, but he was, he's the president of the NBPA. And I know how much work he put into making this bubble become a reality. So I asked his head coach, what did that look like? And I also know Chris has children and a wife at home, you know, so, during a quarantine and a pandemic, you're, you're, your kids are virtually learning. I know that from my own personal experience. That in itself is an ordeal. So, so I knew that he had all of these challenges before him, and I wanted to know what that was like. So that was part of the preparation. You know, that may not have ever seen the light of day that I had that conversation with Billy Donovan. And that's part of the work as a sideline reporter is you, you do your research, your research, you prep and maybe 10 percent of what you found out gets in the game
1: yeah i i think and i i'm similar to you we love the game we'll take all the roles that we can get but I, i gotta admit stephanie for me that's what probably one of the most frustrating parts about being in that sideline role sometimes but it is also very rewarding i mean that conversation while it wasn't your initial question you pivoted perfectly you were well versed and prepared to follow up and that honestly produced one of the more important moments, and like you said, storylines that came out of the game. So it definitely is rewarding. But I do want to ask you this because you mentioned it. You've got kids at home. You've got a husband. You've got a father. There are Black men in your life. You are a Black woman in this country. Um, And while, yes, you are not a part of the story, this moment does affect you um, and the future for your kids. So have you had to compartmentalize personally or like... I just can't imagine being so closely to, close to these players who are very passionate about these cause and then also kind of not acknowledging your part in all of this as well. Like, how do you go about navigating all of that and making sure personal biases and experiences are not a part of the conversation? Because it seems like now more than ever, it would be welcomed. <laughs>
0: right. That's very interesting. Um, and I guess the answer is yes, I have had to compartmentalize a bit. Um, you know just the nature of being in the bubble you have to do that anyway because you're away from your family mm-hmm. so you know i'm i'm beyond 30 days at this point where i've been in here without my husband and without my children and i'm used to traveling for work my children and my husband are used to that that's been their whole lives in fact like when i was pregnant with them i was on the road so this they know what it's like when mommy goes away for work this has been a very long stretch and the interesting piece of this puzzle is that it comes directly behind my longest stretch of, of being home mm-hmm. of consecutive days mm-hmm. because of the quarantine and them um, learning from, from home when they had virtual school. And I was working from home when I was hosting NBA TV Game Time from my living room. <laughs> so I was home for the longest stretch of consecutive days ever since they've been born. So it went from mommy was here 24 hours a day, seven days a week for months in a row to now I'm out of here for more than 30 days. So that's been interesting to kind of deal with that. Um, but you know what? It's, it's like I said in the beginning, this is something that is so big that how can you say no to be a part of it? Yeah. You know, it's it's not just that we love the game. And yes, my goodness, we are all so grateful that there is basketball back in our lives. I can't I can't even tell you how happy that makes me but it is bigger than that. You know, th- this is a huge platform for these players and these organizations to try to enact change. And, and we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, we're seeing like voting initiatives, registration initiatives, you know, we're seeing awareness for lots of different issues come to the forefront. And, and I have been so proud of all of these players and coaches and teams and what they're doing. And, and I'm okay with, playing the smallest, smallest part in it, you know, when I'm able to hold a microphone in, in front of someone and ask them a question. And, and it does affect me. I have two kids, as I said, you know, they're nine and 11. I have one boy, one girl. And yes, it deeply affects me because I worry about that. I do, especially my boy. I mean, Tamir Rice was 12 years old when he was gunned down because he had a toy gun and my son is 11. So yes, I worry. I mean, they didn't have toy weapons for a very long time, and even now, they're only allowed the extremely brightly colored Nerf toys, and they do not leave our yard with them, you know, just because mm-hmm. you just, you worry, so yeah, it's challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah I bet, well, again, I mean, at every point in your career, you have knocked down the door, knocked it out of the park, so you are certainly continuing to do that, I just, it's crazy, because we had Morgan Mitchell, who is digital, you probably know, yes. Um, of
0: course, I know Morgan. I love Morgan.
1: We have been working on about three weeks back now, and I was like, "Listen, I cannot wait." I, at that point, I don't know if you had arrived at the bubble just yet, but I was like, "I cannot wait for the thirty for thirty when it's you, Taylor, Malika, Stephanie, Cassidy, like all of you guys with this inside access <laughs> to what is truly a historic moment." So, having said that, Stephanie, I need to know what the fans at home. Truly, can appreciate from sitting in our living rooms compared to actually being there. Because you're right, my word for this whole thing is truly impressive as well.
0: Yeah. Um, gosh, where do I start? There's so many things. Um, you know, the the obvious thing is just the sacrifice that everyone that's here is making. Um, they're they're all away from their families. You know, and and here's the thing too, when families are permitted to come, which is right now we're in that window where they're starting to possibly quarantine so they can be eligible to really participate full speed when they get here. Um, Even that process is a tremendous sacrifice. I don't think people understand that. They think like, oh, families can come, let's get a ticket and go to Florida and I'll bring the kids and we'll be reunited. It is not going to be like that. (laughs) The families, when they come, they have to quarantine with testing every day for seven days and it sounds, Like, it's not a big deal, but I'll tell you, when I was going through quarantine, my friends and family were shocked when they found out that I literally could not leave my room except to get my test, period. So imagine if you have children, and imagine if you have small children. So it's it's a real family discussion that I know as a mother, personally, I would not do that. I would not pack up my kids take them to go sit in a hotel room and much less at Disney World god forbid they find out where they actually are and they can't leave the hotel room for 7 days like i don't know how you would survive that oh, <laughs> so man. just just bringing your family in is going to be a big deal um but i think the restrictions and, and you hate to complain about them because it's it's not a complaint it's just a different lifestyle and i i think people at home are missing that um mm-hmm. the players you know they're I don't know how they're doing it, just to be perfectly honest. They are competing at an exceptional level. They are so locked in when they're on the court. Um, it, has been, it has been very impressive and fun to watch. But I think maybe the thing that they're missing, if you're watching the games on TV, is you don't have as much, um, like you can't really see all of the things that are happening off camera. And I, and I guess that may not be unique to the bubble. You know, like when you go to an NBA game under our our old traditional circumstances, that was the same thing. Sitting courtside is a completely different experience than um, watching it at home. But I think it may be heightened for us here because there are so few people at the actual game. So you really can hear everything and see everything because it's just open. So that's been so much fun for me.
1: So that's the part that I remember bringing up in conversations and shows i was doing leading up to it i was like i cannot wait to hear the <laughs> teams talking on defense the trash talk whatever is going to be and so while the pumped in sound is cool i gotta from home i missed that like i was right really looking forward to that uh,
0: and i think that's why they started pumping in the sound <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it totally makes sense okay let me ask you this though stephanie you're there Um, I saw on the women's side, Lasia Clarendon talked about not being in support of a collegiate style bubble because she said there's no privacy. There's no reprieve. You're just there. You're stuck with these people that you work with all the time. Even Sue Bird has been like, you know, folks are really great, but I don't want people asking me about my knee injury 15 times a day. Um, And (laughs) have been the jokes of, you know, the three and the four seed are in the same hotel now because of seed and so forth. But do you see where that is playing a role in team chemistry at all?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is where um, a really good franchise can take advantage of that. You look at a team like the Miami Heat, and you have heard this terminology for decades where they talk about heat culture, right? They say it's like a family. And a lot of people do say that. I've seen firsthand the heat mean it. I mean, and, and I'm sure you've seen, because there have been pictures posted and, and, and stories about this, that when they got here, they had giant pictures of family members blown up and put up on the walls because they understood what they were doing. Um, even in practice, they had these big faces of the executives sitting at the table in practice because the executives weren't there. You know, so they are going all out to make sure you hear about, I think it was uh, the 76ers who had um, pillowcases embroidered. You know, like they're trying to make it a personal touch and and they're doing things like having team discussions. Like um, Chris Paul mentioned it last night um, on Monday when he said that um, his coach at Shootaround didn't just talk about basketball, right? So the coaches are taking advantage. You've seen the footage of Jacques Vaughn having meetings with the Brooklyn Nets where he's talking about um, African-American history, what happened on this date, you know, like the the coaches and the teams have been doing a really good job and that does nothing but forge relationships that are going to last well beyond the bubble. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why you're seeing such excellent play, because as you know, when you love, respect, and trust your teammates, you play so much harder for them. You know, you rotate earlier. You are – you're you're taking more risks defensively because, you know, they got your back. You know, like, so all of those things definitely factor in.
1: Do How much – can the rest part of it be overstated? Or the lack of travel, I should say?
0: Ooh, I'm not sure. It can be overstated. I mean tr- – oof, travel is rough, you know, and people think it's so glamorous. Oh, they're on charter flights. They have catered food. And that's all well and good. But the reason why they have those things is because it is so daunting and exhausting. They're trying to cut out as much as they can. Um, It is the fact that they literally have a five-minute ride on the bus back to their hotel. And then, you know, if ever they want to practice, same thing, five minutes. Or they can walk. You know, I see players walking to practice all the time on campus. So I think that that is a huge part, again, on why we're seeing such a great play. The the fatigue factor is not, it's not eliminated. You know, obviously, they're still playing, but it's greatly diminished. Um, And then especially when you start talking about teams that are geographically isolated, you know, where every road trip is a long flight, that's gone now. So I'm very curious to see, yes, they're playing every other day, but There is no travel. There is no getting acclimated to your new hotel room. You know, like even though they're not home, they're as comfortable as they're going to be in this instance. So I think it's terrific. All
1: right. So we got to ask you the infamous question about the lake and the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been fishing, Stephanie? And from your journalism standpoint, uh, would you suggest, or do you have reason to believe that there are, an increased number of fish in said lake as opposed to if the bubble were not there. (laughs)
0: Um, Absolutely. Yes. Um, (laughs) I have not been fishing. I haven't had an opportunity to go yet. Um, I do know people who have been fishing and I I do believe that it's been documented that they did stock the, the water bodies here for fishing. But I will say this, um, that that tends to be like common practice, you know, like where I live sometimes because my husband likes to take the kids fishing. We get emails that tell us locally like which lakes and ponds they have recently stocked. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I think that's like normal to encourage people to get outdoors. I'm not saying it's more or less than normal in this particular instance since there are players here, but I will say I have a friend who's been fishing twice once early on and once just recently within the last week. And he caught zero fish this second time. Oh. So um also keep in mind we're in Florida. They've got gators and all sorts of things. Yeah. So even if they stock the water, there's other predators eating besides just people fishing for recreation. So
1: one hundred percent. All right. So let's I just I think it's important that folks um Get a feel for the work that the broadcast teams are putting in. So just give us your schedule. Like, today is an off day. But even on game days, I'm seeing where you guys will pull double duty, whereas if we were in normal circumstances, you obviously can't be in two places at once. But
0: just
1: (laughs) quickly, what is your, like, routine since you've been in the bubble and playoffs have started look like stuff?
0: Yeah. So um, it's funny you say off day because I always put that in air quotes um, because in the bubble there is no such thing as an off day because today is a day where I don't actually have to televise a game. But I have one tomorrow. So I will be going to two team practices this afternoon to prepare for that game tomorrow. Um, Generally on a game day in the morning, we'll have a Zoom production meeting with our producer, director, play-by-play, analyst, graphics coordinator, like the whole bit, everybody in the truck, basically, will be on that Zoom call. And we'll go over um, all of the things that we think we want to put in the show, graphic elements, play-by-play and analysts will each take a turn to discuss storylines that they think they want to pursue. I'll take a turn to um, share with the group the things that I've learned through my reporting and stories that I definitely want to hit people that I've talked to so they know that if they go down this road that Stephanie can add because she talked to that person earlier in the day or yesterday. Um, So we do all that. We will, because we're in the bubble and people have to be socially distanced, a lot of the meetings are on Zoom And something that people don't know is basically the entire television crew, with the exception of the reporter, is in a different zone. So producer, director, play-by-play, analyst, field producer, like all of those people, graphics, they're all in the yellow zone. I'm in the green zone. The green zone is where the players, coaches, executives, all the NBA staff, we're all in the green zone. We can be on the floor. Um, We're the only ones that can have direct interaction with players and coaches, even at practices, because those are all held in the green zone the yellow zone um, they get tested twice a week Um, they still you know have to wear a mask they still have to socially distance but in the green zone we get tested every single day and we also have to um, use the app to answer some wellness questions daily and two of those things are taking your temperature with a digital thermometer which is linked directly to the app so there's no lying about what your temperature is (laughs) um and also we have a pulse oximeter which reads the oxygen levels in our blood which also feeds directly into the app via bluetooth technology so the green zone has a lot more um requirements daily um and then the yellow zone we can't even see them like i i will go and wave to my play-by-play and my analyst while i'm on the floor because they're on a whole different level behind plexiglass. um so it makes you know I said all that to say that that means when we have our coaches meeting before the game, it has to be on Zoom because play-by-play and analysts are in the yellow zone and can have no direct contact with the coach. So we have a Zoom meeting in the morning for production purposes, and then we'll have at least two other Zoom meetings, one with each head coach for the teams that we are broadcasting later in the day.
1: Man, wow. (laughs) I was about to ask you that because I was like, I, a firm was telling me like, the, Jeff Van Gundy lives in Florida and like Mark Jackson lives in Florida. So it's like, do they get to go home or are they technically in the bubble? Or no,
0: they have to stay. If you oh, if they, you if leave,
1: yellow people have to stay. Yep,
0: yeah, oh. they do. They wow. do because I mean they can't risk the exposure on any level. You know, like like I said, they are they can't contact anybody in the green zone, but you still wouldn't want it to spread through the yellow zone. So
1: yeah, I got you. Man, all the necessary precautions being taken. All right, Stephanie, I know we've got to be mindful of your time as you're heading off to another practice. But before I let you go, I do want your basketball analyst, you know, vibe from this whole thing. Who has impressed you the most since things have gotten restarted?
0: So many people. This has been so much fun. Um, And it's funny you should ask, because I actually was uh, talking to one of our researchers, Kevin, um, back at Turner Sports. And I asked him, I was like, hey, we've had a lot of 50-point performances, it seems like. So we started digging it up and um, in 25 days of NBA action here in the bubble, there have been six 50 point performances. And just to give that some context, before the bubble, all of those hundreds of games that were played through March 12th, there were 20 50 point performances. There are, uh, and of those 20, by the way, 11 came from two people, right? Damian Lillard and James Harden had 11 combined. And so that means there were only nine other times where it happened. Um, So in the bubble, TJ Warren has had one. He's been very impressive. I know he's, you know, battling through some injuries, but he came out like, hello world, this is me. So that was impressive. Um, Damian's had two 50 point performances and he has been tremendous with the trailblazers and, since we're talking trailblazers, we got to talk about Carmelo Anthony too. I mean, I love what that team looks like, and I just hate that they keep getting injured because I feel like they were going to be very dangerous and not at all um, an eight seed in terms of their talent level. Um, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have been fun to watch go at it.
1: Yes, that's been. I my... mean, mm-hmm.
0: woo, It's there's been a lot of really fun basketball here. It's I feel like a kid in the candy store. Luka Doncic. I mean, what? we knew that he was Luca the Don. We knew it coming in. I mean, he was in the MVP conversations before the bubble, but what we've seen out of this 21-year-old is... I, I mean, it's staggering. It is his swagger, his confidence, his unselfishness. like he is really, really all about team, but he just is so good. It's I love what Rick Carroll said. He said he sees it in six G. Like he's on another level. He sees things no one else sees and it's has been fun. A good
1: quote. That was really a great quote for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, man, there's so oh man, Stephanie, I I envy you, but I'm also proud of you. But like I'm not thinking <laughs> it in a bad way, but you're right. Kidney candy store, historic front row seat. Um, to all that is happening. But the sacrifice certainly is not lost on us. So we appreciate that you are able to put on your Sideline Reporter hat so well and compartmentalize and crush this job. Um, so as we get you out of here, this is the way we end our combos on buckets, boards, and blocks. So I'm gonna ask you to pick one of those things in regards to the bubble experience. Let me let me explain them to you. Okay. The bucket is the thing that we love. Give me more of this thing. <laughs> the board is the thing that we might not love, but it has a redeeming quality to it, like a rebound, silver lining.
0: Right.
1: The block is the thing that you would like to see be completely eliminated, let's not repeat it. And so we're <laughs> gonna apply those to the NBA Restart Playoffs 2020 from the single-site campus in Orlando, Florida. Give me one of them, whichever one you feel most compelled on, a bucket, board, or block.
0: Oof, so good. Um. I am gonna do what I hate when people do this to me. I'm gonna do it to you, Monica. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my real answer with just saying that um, I would love to block all of COVID nineteen, all yes, of it, that's the a good whole answer. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's the reason why we're here, but yeah, just gone, block it, uh, like Dikembe Mutombo style, finger wagging, all. All um, of, yes. But if I had to choose one, I am always an eternal optimist. I always see the glass half full. So I'm going to go with Bucket. Okay. And that's the hard part is choosing one, but I think it's going to be the extraordinary play that we've seen slash the players using their platform with their exceptional play to deliver a message, the whole thing. I just Love love the whole thing, Monica, everything about this idea, right? Basketball is starting to continue. We're giving fans at home something to take their mind off of the messes that our society is dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, something they can joyfully watch with their children, even in the afternoon, by the way. We didn't even touch on that. Basketball all day. Has been, all day. Literally my dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that, you know, I just, I love all of it. I'm I am thrilled, like I told you before, just to even be a small part of it.
1: I love that, Stephanie. That was, listen, I do not mind the reroute and the answer. I agree with your block 100%. Let's get COVID out of here. Let's get the poor decision makers that have made this thing worse out of here. Um, But in terms of the optimism, the bubble is nothing short of impressive. And I was one who gave serious thought and creed to Kyrie's thought about not playing. So I owe those athletes both in the WNBA bubble and the NBA bubble an apology because they clearly can do both. Come back, Mm -hmm. do their jobs at a high level and not lose focus on what is the most important thing probably happening in our society, whether the social justice part or the voting part, um, they are using their platforms in a way that deserves the utmost respect and praise.
0: And by the way, just to add on to that, we're hearing from more of them. Yes. You know, like if we were not playing, of course we'd hear from the superstars, we always do. But we're hearing from players who the, the common basketball fan maybe didn't even know who they were. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we're we're having teams release statements. Did you see the Milwaukee Bucks statement? Like this is all new. This, and I don't think this would be happening if they were not here in the bubble. So,
1: well said, Stephanie. We appreciate your optimism. We appreciate you trailblazing. We appreciate your time because we know no days off in the bubble, and you are working <laughs> hard, my friend. Um,
0: thank you so much. I really enjoyed this cover. This was excellent. Thank you, Monica. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. That was dope. <gasps>
2: Okay, people, it's time to wrap this up. Thanks to Stephanie Reddy of Turner Sports for joining our show this week. Thanks also to our producer, Bruce Bernstein, and to our excellent editor, Tom Phillip, been doing his thing with the new videos. (laughs) Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise show features Todd McCullough, the former NBA center and all-around fun dude. 4 core press with Fannin Adams has Sam Buncini from the Athletic talking NBA Draft. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong has Mac Engel of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram talking about Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. Fort Worth down the street from me. There we go, Texas boy. B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman are back on with the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday And Monica and myself are back next Thursday with another episode of Buckets, Boys, and Blocks.
0: All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing.
1: Guys, this is still very important. We are not done with COVID-19. Unfortunately, probably not even at halftime. But anyway, please don't be selfish. Wear your mask to protect yourself and others. Continue to observe social distancing six feet apart. Wash your filthy little hands and clean it. Oh yes, clean under your nails because it's all types of germs and gross things under there. Uh, Also treat everybody like your teammate or friend. That means you're looking out for them. Even if you don't know them, I don't care. They're your teammate. As always, please pray for our healthcare workers, our essential employees as they treat and serve um, us as fellow citizens. Please keep working for the causes of social justice. Make sure you are registered to vote um we definitely want a better world for all people of all races religions and we're trying to create a more inclusive society if you like buckets boards and blocks please subscribe it's free listen and give us a five-star rating it would really mean a lot so for my co-host king mcclure i'm monica mcnutt we'll see you next week but until we meet again enjoy your hoops buckets boards and blocks with monica mcnutt and king mcclure is a presentation of pure hoops media